980 WCAP, Lowell, Haverhill, Lawrence, Methuen, Nashua, and Salem, New Hampshire, serving the Merrimack Valley. But don't change your hair for me, not if you care for me. Stay, little Valentine, stay. Day is Valentine's Day. So, is your figure less than Greek? Well, is your mouth? That's not how we see it here on Active Radio. It may have been a couple of weeks ago, but Valentine's Day is when we say it is. I'm Hartley Plushaw. This is Active Radio, and. It is my great pleasure to reintroduce to these airwaves, speaking of pleasure, the official sexologist of Active Radio, here to deliver her annual State of the Sexual Union address. We had Joe Biden's State of the Union address. Last week we had Vladimir Putin's State of the Union address. Well, those were just amateurs. Today you're going to get what we consider to be the most important state of the union, state of the sexual union, I should say, address uh, for 2023, the one and only Dr. Susan Block. Dr. Susie, welcome. Wow, thank you for that lovely introduction, which reminds us that every day is Valentine's Day. Which means every day is also Lupercalia, the original pagan Valentine's Day, and every day is World Bonobo Day. Indeed, and if you care to join our conversation, please do at 978-454-4980, Well, Dr. Susie, we have so much to get into this this uh, in, in our next uh little less than an hour about the um, meeting ground of sex, politics, culture, which I believe you cover and you handle better than anyone in the present contemporary scene. But before we do, let's get an update on you. I mean, uh, you are, uh, uh, let's talk about uh, the amazing things happening in your own life and career. Uh, It turns turns out uh, your... you're, you you can be seen and heard in a lot of places these days, uh, other than active radio. I'm kind of jealous that all these other people are catching on to you. But uh, tell us <laughs> tell us about uh, first of all, um, sex before the internet. You're part of that. Tell us about that. Yes, people were catching on to me before the internet, actually. Uh-huh. So it's been going on for a little bit of time, but uh, they never actually catch me. Right. But in any case, yes, Sex Before the Internet is a Vice TV documentary series. And, you know, I would think Sex Before the Internet means you're going back to, like, the beginning of time. (laughs) But in any case, it really is about those couple of decades, I guess, 
towards the end of the 20th century, right before the internet took over our lives and poisoned everything. But uh, yeah, it's about my experiences in this case, this particular segment, which is segment five, and I kick it off doing a segment for real sex for HBO. And this whole sort of uh, segment is about real sex and the way that it was unprecedented in television history. Uh, you know, with all due respect to Gil Scott Heron, the revolution was televised, at least the sexual revolution of the 1990s, that is, and that was on real sex. And really, there's never been anything like it since. I'm sorry to say to everybody that thinks that you can find everything on the internet. You really can't, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But there was really, in some ways, less censorship back then. And so this particular episode, episode five, is all about how real sex appealed to both men and women, which is something that everybody says is hard to make something erotic that turns on both men and women, and that also stimulates the intellect of both men and women. And I think real sex did that. And yeah, it's about the the whole camaraderie of the crew and the diversity of the subject matter and uh, of course my segments and the spin-off radio sex tv where i did a couple of fabulous specials for hbo back in the swinging 90s oh yes yeah it does seem as if uh we're we're going into and we'll talk about this as well today on the show um a sexual counter-revolution of sorts but it seemed like uh there was that that period from uh, well, um, you can go back to you know the original sexual revolution of the '60s, and the uh, you know the the way in which uh, people for you know for all the other crazy things that were going on at the time, it seemed like there was actually a, a generation or so there where people actually <laughs> seemed to have much you know much more uh, enjoyable and fulfilling. Um, sex lives or they were they had a the the culture in general seemed comfortable with it now we're seeing uh you could almost say a regression a sexual counter-revolution in many ways and there are many aspects to that many individual issues and personalities which we'll we'll talk about but uh, i'll just throw this out to you dr Susie. what do you think happened how did how did things start uh, going uh, going in the opposite direction from your point of view well, most disturbingly is what I can say. I mean, how did they? I guess you could say the pendulum swings back and forth, but still, you know, when you're living it and you feel that things are getting progressively more open and then they start getting regressively more closed, it feels like a lot worse than a pendulum swing. It feels like a sucker punch. Yes. Especially for me, because, of course, I am a sex positive, sexologist, sex therapist, 
And I think for many people who are not in the sex field, this feels like a punch. But certainly uh, for me uh, and my expression of sexuality and my efforts to uh, to convey sex education, it's a lot more censored in a way than it was in those halcyon days of the late 1990s and maybe you could say the early 2000s although already in the 2000s it was starting to get more you could say faith-based and less science-based society was starting to open up to the idea that maybe religion's right and science is wrong and so maybe sex should be in the service of religion really and it's gotten more and more to that point of view in our society at least here in America and to some extent around the world and it's uh, it's it's pretty problematic so you know whereas we could really get into lots of different aspects of sex on HBO and certainly on my public access show many different aspects of sex. I've just been bringing out of the archives my old radio shows that were on all over different stations uh, around the country, including in the Bible Belt. And we talked about all kinds of sex and fantasies and fetishes. And now on the internet, you would think we'd have more freedom, but really there's less if you want to use the uh, avenues of speech such as uh, social media, YouTube for instance. Uh, on our last State of the Sexual Union address we talked about the scourge of censorship on the right and the left mm -hmm. and the right complains about it more but it's really worse for the left politically speaking and of course it's the very worst for people involved in sexuality and it's only gotten worse since our last state of the sexual union i was just censored by youtube my channel was terminated by bots uh, that's how it goes these days it's not even human beings that do this. It's bots that are programmed by human beings, but then they go about their business of censorship by responding to keywords or key images. Uh, anyway, my channel of 15 years, basically since YouTube began, uh, it, it was terminated. So I complained and uh, got nowhere. And uh, then I cursed, well, I put a curse I call it the block curse and actually years ago when I was censored on public access I put it on Adelphia TV uh, on the owners the Regus family and soon afterwards they were indicted for um, financial shenanigans I called it masturbating their figures but anyway um, they were indicted and I was no longer censored uh, but I put the block curse on YouTube CEO and censor-in-chief Susan Wojcicki and I'll tell you I kind of did it you know with tongue-in-cheek but within weeks she resigned and many people say she was forced to resign and I say that's block magic 
but of course, uh, maybe getting a congressional subpoena for censorship might have something to do with it. And that censorship is of the right wing, but I feel the censorship is much worse of the, the left wing. And it's just the left wing isn't as organized about fighting censorship because the left wing can't agree about anything. Um, so even though I got her fired, I feel, well, got her to resign. Um, censorship still goes on. My channel remains terminated. It gets worse and worse. Um, our friend Abby Martin's channel, RT, was censored uh, on YouTube. Uh, so have many, uh, many different political channels and, of course, sex education channels. Anything pro-Palestine, it seems, gets censored. Um, it's it's kind of crazy. Anything controversial. It's like big tech censor bots that use AI and they've established that it's based on hallucinations um, in the chat. It's also true of the censorship. It's not artificial intelligence. It's artificial ignorance. It can't tell the difference between a murderer and the detective who solves the case because both use the same words and phrases. So if you're talking about, you know, sexual harassment, you're going to get accused of harassment. Hmm. Yeah, these keywords seem to be setting off this uh, automatic response that uh, sometimes is not only not not relevant to the subject, but but is like you say, is openly contradictory to what the what the individuals are trying to get across. It's like uh, it, it's you know all this stuff that's come out recently about um, artificial intelligence. Now you know people are starting college students are now starting it to write ter use it to write term papers. But I'm thinking if this gets out of control, and apparently according to what you're saying, it already has gotten out of control in some ways. Oh, yeah. It's like it's like it's this this uh, Frankenstein monster. Is, uh, is is taking our voices away and taking free speech away. And, uh, Absolutely. Uh, oh, that's, that's what's going on. And, of course, sexuality is always at the forefront of what's happening. And so sexuality is being censored more than anything, but also politics. Also, anything controversial, really, is censored. And often it's right-wing, and the right-wing people complain but they also censor left-wing, and I think they do that even more. And so it creates this silencing of voices. And I believe when we spoke before, I was more concerned about silencing of images, you know, uh, those te telltale genitalia and, and other things. But now it's beyond that, it's just, you you've, you can't show anything that might turn somebody on and you can't say anything. Now it's speech. Speech that might turn somebody on or might stimulate somebody to do something wrong. Uh, it's, it's very insidious, this silencing of speech that goes on in our public squares that have been sold off in the corporatizing of America. It used to be public access, now it's owned by YouTube, Google, Facebook, 
these are our owners now. We have no chance of voting even for compromised politicians. Indeed. Dr. Susie, we have to go to a break now. But when we come back, we will have more with our guest. All right. Uh, uh, Sexologist Supreme, Dr. Susan Block, here on Active Radio, here on WCAP, the voice of the valley where everybody gets it. We'll be right back. Come on. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that make me. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex. Let's indeed talk about sex. This is Active Radio. I'm Hartley Plushaw with my guest, our official sexologist of Active Radio, Dr. Susan Block, here to deliver her annual State of the Sexual Union address. Well, Dr. Susie, uh, just in in the last segment, uh, we began to touch a little bit about the uh, the always curious, always fascinating, and oftentimes frightening um, intersection between sex and politics. And it seems as if, uh, if anything, <laughs> over the past year, um, that situation has become more intense. In fact, yes. I, as I look at uh, the, the evolving, or maybe you could say devolving, political scene, and I see how many um, politicians, uh, mostly Republicans, but as you said, there are people on the left who uh, I suppose are, are in this as well, using sexual issues as, uh, frankly, launching pads to the White House, or, or so many of them seem to think, and I suppose... Um, Exhibit A in this regard is Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, who, oh, yeah. who has uh, first came that, that whole don't say gay thing. And that seems to have uh, kicked off this curious um, Republican jihad about drag queens. Um, I, <laughs> I frankly didn't know you know there were that many uh, such people out there nor nor did i think they had that much political or cultural influence but the way there were a lot of these republicans are talking it sounds as if uh, you know this is like like they used to talk about communism you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, this uh, nefarious uh, conspiracy on the part of uh, um drag queens to um you know to influence and control our children's lives uh, let's let's start there. Uh, and we have a new McCarthy in Congress. Yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah. <laughs> a new McCarthy and a new McCarthyism, perhaps. Uh, as you look at um, not just DeSantis, but the whole uh, the whole panoply, it seems, of uh, the way these sexual yeah. issues have exploded into the mainstream of American politics, and no doubt will be even more so as the 2024 presidential election approaches. Well, let's hear it, Dr. Susie. How, what do you think of all this? Well, let's start with DeSantis, because after all, I just went to my Yale reunion, and he was uh, class of 2001. Mm. Also, by the way, he was Delta Kappa Epsilon, uh. a frat boy like George W. Bush. Oh, yes. And so, you know, that's a little bit about where he's coming from. 
Also where he's coming from, very interesting. We mentioned Abby Martin earlier and her amazing husband, Mike Prisoner, did an eye-opening interview with a former Guantanamo prisoner, giving us an inside look at DeSantez's personal record of torture and deception and sadism when he was a CIA lawyer stationed in that hellhole known as Guantanamo. And we sort of get to know more of the truth behind this guy and where he's at and where perhaps a lot of the people that are emotionally stirred by this are at. There's a certain sadism to it, a, a genuine turn on from, you know, the old saying of uh, owning the libs yes. or in this case, owning the drag queens, owning the sex positive people, owning the libs. And it's a sexual thrill. It's a it's a rape, if you will, of a mind, a, a mind screwing, so to speak. I hope I'm not saying words that are not allowed on your radio station. Go right ahead. But uh, no, I mean, you know, I don't want to do that. But I, at the same time, I want to say that this is a very, very vicious feeling that is being stirred up by his 3,000 anti-LGBTQ bills that he's introduced. And it's a kind of fascism light, if you will. A, um, and, and that's often racist and sexist and anti-anything that isn't masculinist, you know. And we call here in Bonoboville, we call Ron DeSantis the phony cafoni mm. because he often talks about his Italian background. And my husband, Max, was born in Rome. And a cafoni is a kind of, uh, I guess it's just an insult, you know, a, a jerk. And a Phony is what we call him because he presents himself as this sincere everyman. But we know he's a coddled Yale lawyer. And we also know he's a sadist. And I, I mean, that's behind a lot of this fear mongering is sadism mongering. And of course, fear because erotophobia, fear of sexual things, for some people, that's a turn-on. It's kind of like horror movies are a turn-on. Anything that scares you, it kind of stirs you up. And yet, of course, it's not sex positive. It stirs you up, but then you feel shame for your own excitement. You're right. There aren't that many drag queens, mainly because it's high maintenance to do that. Yes. For a woman or a man, whatever kind of genitals you have, it's high maintenance to put all that makeup and stuff on. Believe me, I know. I sometimes feel like a drag queen myself because when I get all dressed up to do my thing, that's just what I'm doing. And I believe that it is a turn on to people out there, to all kinds of people, to see a person who's all done up for sexual turn on, you know, and, and for beauty and for glamour. And, 
yes, to see a man doing it is exciting. It's, I swear, these pl- Proud Boys are jealous. And with a name like Proud Boys and those little outfits of theirs and the original song behind Proud Boys, I bet they'd like to wear a little lipstick and maybe a wig and, and do each other, you know? They're, they've got that in them. You know, bisexuality is through so much of our population, and yet it's mixed with such fear. And this type of culture war uh, wedge issue, it mixes the arousal with fear and then this dash of save the children, which is, of course, always thrown in there. Uh, And, uh, you know, drag is a part of art. It's, It's sexual, but it's way beyond that. Most Shakespeare plays include drag queens. Yes. And back in the day, it wasn't only that men played drag queens in Shakespeare's plays. Men played all the women's parts. Yes. And so this anti-LGBTQ, anti-drag rhetoric gushing forth from the right is ridiculous, but it is dangerous. And it creates atrocities like the Club Q massacre, which was a targeted anti-gay right-wing hate crime that happened this year in Colorado Springs, in the land of amosexual heartthrob Lauren Bieber, who has an interesting past of her own, I believe. I don't know. Yeah, you know, she's sexy, but you know, she uses her sexuality to sell guns and uh, anti-gay rhetoric. You know, it's interesting. Um, during during our break, I couldn't help but notice that uh, one of our commercials, uh, one of our programs, deals with uh, the use of cannabis, the use of marijuana. And I, I was thinking as I was listening to that that uh, on some issues and in some areas, we've become a much more liberal, open, tolerant society. Uh, instead of putting people in jail for using marijuana as we used to, now we have, you know, <laughs> um, te- radio programs. Uh, That's because the Republicans see that you can make money right. on marijuana. I was just going to say, if you, you can got, make yeah. money on it, then hey, you know, and they try to make money on sex too. And the thing about sex, though, it's very slippery, unlike marijuana, which is a thing. Sex is a feeling, it's, it's many things. And so you can sell sex and put it down at the same time. You can't really do that with marijuana. You're either pro or against. But you can be sexy and anti-sex. You can be incredibly sexy and put down every form of sex except procreation uh, possible. Or even put down procreation. You can put down any form of sex and say you're an incel and be incredibly sexy. I was going to say, we'll get into the incels, I almost said insult there, but incels uh, in in a moment. Um, Dr. Susie, we must go to another break now, but when we come back, we will have more (laughs) with our guest, Dr. Susan Block, the official sexologist of Active Radio, delivering her annual State of the Sexual Union address. I'm Hartley Plushov here on Active Radio, here on WCAP, where everybody gets it. We'll be right back. Hey, 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 hey,
Let's indeed talk about sex here on Active Radio. I'm Hartley Plushaw, and our guest is the official sexologist of Active Radio. You're an amazing guest. You always have been, so uh, and it makes my job a lot easier. So, let, okay, let's, we, we, we started to touch a little bit on the incels. Let's, uh, let's talk about that. Well, first of all, since my last State of the Sexual Union address since your last interview with me. A lot has happened. I mean, the main thing that's happened that's different, because the incels were with us before, and yeah, they've gotten worse, and yeah, the whole controversy over gay or trans this or that, it's all gotten worse. The censorship has gotten worse, but something has gotten completely different. You know how I'm all about make love, not war. That's the bonobo way. And I kind of take it a little farther and say, make kink, not war. That was the theme of my presentation at DomCon this year. Anyway, since my last State of the Union address, we've gone to war. Yes. Russia bombed Ukraine. And now America and much of Europe is at war with Russia in Ukraine. So we've been on the war path, the world, since we last spoke. And that is the critical issue of our times. Uh, We've been on the war path, which is the opposite of the bonobo way, the path of love and sex and peace. And this war path has been mapped out for us by the international military-industrial complex, which is mainly American, but it is international, the war profiteers. And it leads to World War III, or maybe nukes, I don't know. Anyway, it's not very sexy. No. And it dominates our budget, our hearts, and our minds, and some of our bodies. And it is behind some of the censorship because they allow all the missiles and bombs. They just don't allow penises and vaginas. Mm. And not only do they allow it, they promote it. They promote these missiles and bombs. And so it's not surprising to see everyday citizens who are not members of the military pick up AR-15s, their own version of this phallic instrument of violence that our society has put in their hands, literally, so that they will take their hands off their so-called junk. So you see... uh Perhaps not just in terms of the international situation, but the uh, the outbreaks, the terrible shootings we've had in this country. Uh, you you see that as partially the result of people not coming to terms with their own sexuality. I see it as very much people being in a sexual crisis. Most of these people are young men who are in a sexual crisis of some sort. Many of them are incels, not all. Most of them would not identify that way, but you dig in and you find out that they have a very unsatisfactory sex life, to say the least. 
or maybe they're angry over a divorce. Maybe they're not incels, they're just angry at a woman. Or maybe they're angry at rejection. Or maybe they're angry because they're gay and they can't express it because our society doesn't respect that. There's many motivations within the sexual spectrum, but it's all about shame and not being able to express it and being told that the most respectable channeling of your sexuality, besides raising a family, is violence, is being a respectable member of the military, is supporting the troops, is supporting war in all of its forms. Uh, it's been my observation, and you're free to... Uh... <laughs> Uh, disagree or or whatever with uh, with this point of view, but it seems as if to me, of course, there have always been these sexual undercurrents to politics going back, you know, thousands of years. But the emergence of Donald Trump as president, even before he was elected, it seems like a lot of this came to the surface and came out in a big way into into our consciousness with the rise of Trump, which I've always found kind of interesting because Trump himself always, and he never made much effort to disguise this, was always a, uh, a rather flamboyant libertine. And yet uh, his biggest supporters have, have seemed to me, have come from the Bible Belt, have come from the, the various... Uh, elements that you and I have been discussing today, uh, people who have a very negative view of sexuality. Uh, is this, uh, in your view, whatever happens in the political future to Donald Trump or whatever, uh, is this a genie we can't put back in the bottle? Has this become a um, an ongoing factor in American political and cultural life, this, this sexual anger that seems to have emerged over the past few years? Well, I think we're always capable of change for the better. I think we're always capable of leaving the path of war for the path of love and the bonobo way. And yet, of course, when you're on the path of war, uh, you just go for it, you know, and you allow hypocrites to lead you. And Donald Trump, of course, is the ultimate hypocrite. Puritanism is at its base hypocritical. The leaders, the church leaders, they're all hypocrites. You find out later that they're actually having all kinds of sex. So with Donald Trump, you know right away he's having all kinds of sex. And yet he facilitated the church and its, uh, its servants um, and its proponents and um, the Puritans of our society to take over. There's now three Supreme Court justices that he put in there, and they have taken away our reproductive rights, just like that. They have turned us into a nation of forced breeders, 
And I say that because it's not just forced birth, but when you're forcing women and other childbearing people to reproduce, it's breeding, it's like slavery. And so, yeah, that's what he did. He, I think he's almost regretful because the, this kind of momentum is bigger than him. He just wanted love. He's a narcissist. He wanted the Christian right to love him and support him and vote for him. And they did. And he gave them what they wanted, which was Supreme Court justices. And now we're ruled by the religious right. Before we go any further, Dr. Susie, in the regrettably brief time we have left, uh, tell us about the Bonobo Way. Well, I yeah, I, I want to tell you, um, oh, I interrupted you. No, go right ahead. I think if people haven't heard about it before, I know you've, you, uh, you've made it pretty central to your own uh, philosophical point of view, but if people have been hearing you use this phrase, the Bonobo Way, uh, and don't right. have never heard that before. Tell tell people what what it's all about. Okay. Well, in a coconut shell, the bonobos are our closest great ape cousins, along with common chimps. But unlike common chimps, who use force to get sex, bonobos use sexuality and love and affection to kind of tamp down violence. So they have never been seen killing each other in the wild or captivity. Yes, they have a lot of sex. They empower the females. The females are basically in charge. I say MILFs rule Bonoboville very often. But the males are happy. This is a lesson for the Me Too movement, is that not only do you empower the females, but you need to nurture the males so that you don't get incels. There are no incels in Bonoboville. And bonobos share everything. So um, I just want to, before we end, just do my little thing. You know, I always say my little version of uh, MLK's great I have a fantasy speech that he gave in 1963. And with all due respect and apologies to Dr. King, although he was not a Puritan in his private life, I'd like to say I have a dream, or maybe I should say, once again, I have a fantasy. And some of these fantasies are oldies but goodies, from last year, but some are new, and they all are in the bonobo way. So I have a fantasy that one day good, clean, consensual sex will not be considered dirty. I have a fantasy that one day we the people will be able to talk freely and honestly about our sexuality and our politics without censorship of our voices or termination of our channels in the public squares of social media. I have a fantasy that one day we will value lust over greed. I have a fantasy that one day we will value peace through pleasure, it's the bonobo way, over war for profit. I have a fantasy that one day we will value sex education and science over ignorance, superstition, and violent so-called patriotism. I have a fantasy that one day we'll value dildos and vibrators more than guns and ammo. I have a fantasy that one day we'll value women's reproductive rights more than forced breeding. I have a fantasy that one day we won't 
discriminate against our fellow humans because of their sexual orientation or gender identification. I have a fantasy that one day the Me Too movement and all of us will see that male nurturance is essential to female empowerment. It is the bonobo way. I have a fantasy that one day we'll value erotic recreation as much or more than sexual procreation in our world of human overpopulation. I have a fantasy that one day we'll value sustainable eco-sexual alternatives over corporate con jobs with sexy come-ons. I have a fantasy that one day we'll value sexual humanity over the asexual, inhuman mega-machine. I have a fantasy that one day we will not just decriminalize sex work, but destigmatize it and subsidize it for the needy. I have a fantasy that one day we will all really and truly love one another, body, mind, and soul, rejoice in sharing everything we have instead of capitalizing at each other's expense. And I have a fantasy that one day, it's a pipe dream, but it's my dream, I have a dream, that the capitalocene will give way to the bonobocene, and we will practice the bonobo way of female empowerment and male well-being and sharing resources and great sex and peace through pleasure, the bonobo way, instead of acting like baboons, because that's what we've been doing. I could go on, I have many fantasies, but I realize you gotta go and you got your own fantasies. Just remember the people that want to censor your fantasies tend to be the ones with something big to hide, and I don't mean their genitals. Indeed. Well, Dr. Susie, uh, what can I say after hearing that except to say that you just get more eloquent with every uh, <laughs> every state of the sexual union address? And uh, that listening to that was a lot more fun than listening to either uh, Biden or Putin uh, <laughs> over, over the right. past month. Let me just say that. Uh, so or Trump. Or, or Trump, yes, or DeSantis, or, or so many of them. Uh, Dr. Susie, before we go, tell, uh, tell my audience uh, how they can uh, partake of you more than once a year. I partake you... of me. Yes. My body and my blood. Uh, no, <laughs> body, mind, and soul. Okay, so yes, call me, 213-291-9497. That is my phone number for therapy. That's 213-291-9497. And you can also just visit drsusanblock.com. That's D-R-S-U-S-A-N-B-L-O-C-K. Or just Google me, Dr. Susan Block. Dr. Susie. Indeed. Dr. Susie, thank you so much for gracing our program uh, as you so as you do every year. It's always fantastic listening to you. Uh, preach your your doctrine of of peace, love, and great sex. So, uh, until we until we speak again, have a have a wonderful year uh, of of peace, love, and sex yourself. Thank you. You too. I'm Hartley Pleshaw. This is Active Radio. We'll talk again next week. 
980 WCAP, Lowell, Haverhill, Lawrence, Methuen, Nashua, and Salem, New Hampshire, serving the Merrimack Valley.